All right. Hey, uh, it's uh, opening day here at Hoodoo Ski Bowl, my ski bowl of choice. I've been skiing here. I realized my first day here probably was in 1963 sometime. I was a, a wee mite at that time. Um, skied fast and hard still, and I, I still do that, although not as fast and hard, not as crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, today is December 7th, the day I'm recording this. And this won't uh, see the blog till December 10th, so welcome to the December 10th edition of Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. It's, uh, it's gorgeous up here, kind of overcast. The place is only about, um, gosh, let's see, maybe 60% open. They've got a couple of lifts that are not open yet, but uh, they'll get open here in the next uh, few weeks. They, they open a little early uh, based on the snow. They only got like 16 inches, but enough to, to ski down. A little bit of grooming, but most of it's kind of powdery, which is a lot of fun. Uh, have a great uh, guest that I think you'll enjoy on today's vlog slash podcast. I spoke with Nathan Grepke of Blue Pony. They do a lot of audio animation, animation, uh, I should say video and animation. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff they do, and the technology's come a long way. So we had a great conversation about how that all worked. I hope you enjoy this. I'd like to welcome Nathan Grepke from Blue Pony to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Nathan, it's uh, great to see you, and I appreciate you taking time. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Blue Pony, which I've heard of a couple of times uh, through uh, connections in the trade show world, uh, I don't know a lot about, except you do a lot of uh, video and tech and animation and things like that. So how would you describe it to someone who has no idea what you guys do? Yeah, well, the easiest way to sum it up is we, uh, we, you'll see it on our website. We're experience creators. And so the buzzword experiential uh, is, is very popular now. There's a lot of agencies that are called experiential agencies. And I wouldn't say we would, we would put ourselves in that category of an experiential agency because we don't function like a, an ad agency. We're more, uh, um, well, doctors for digital or maybe <laughs> creative uh, technologists. We, we coined a term called magicians because we've got animators and designers on the staff that uh, motion graphic artists. And so it's, it's a lot of times we were always told we, we make magic out of, out of animation. So we, we thought magicians is an appropriate term. But in a nutshell, we exist to provide um, creative technology solutions and we focus on the trade show and event industry. So okay. whatever that may be, and it may be low tech or high tech, but creative technology is, is the key. And so how long have you guys been around? How many uh, employees? Yeah, so we've been, we started in 2004, July 2004. In fact, I was the first person uh, on the team when the company was started. Um, so we, it depends how you count us. We're 11 to 13 employees. We're relatively small, but we are strong because we share a building with two sister companies. So there's three of us that live in the same uh, building. We're, we're all owned by the same ownership. And uh, so there's some synergy. So we'll, we'll share some marketing resources. We'll share some accounting resources. And so day to day, though, there's, there's 11 of us that make the wheels turn day day by day, and then uh, other support staff from our other customer, or other companies that help us with various tasks. We'll talk about some of the things you guys do. I'm, I'm just curious, though, when, when a potential client comes to you, or maybe a client that you've worked with and they have something new, what kind of things that they bring you? What kind of challenges do they say, we'd like to do this, and you have to kind of dream up a way to do that? I'm just curious what things come up in those conversations. What, you know, who, who dreams sure. this stuff up? 
Well, sometimes, it, you know, it's interesting that we'll get a, a dream that'll be delivered to us, a popular phone call we'd get. And even to this day, we still get it. Someone will call and say, hey, I want to emulate the minority report. I want to be, oh. <laughs> you know, using gesture, gesture motions to control content on a transparent screen. And so it's funny, we've, we've created a couple mock-ups, but we have to remind people that is a movie. Um, right. But we're getting closer and closer to being able to emulate what you, can, what you see in Minority Report. And that movie's quite old at this point. Um, so that's a popular request. But it, it's, it's relevant in that we'll get um, either movie references of something they've seen or um, we'll get uh, um, sort of a morphing of things. Uh, we, we had somebody come to us and they wanted to emulate the board game, the game of life, but they wanted to turn it into a yeah. digital experience where they would create a journey for people to go on. Um, so sometimes they'll, they'll come with a, with a crazy idea and, and the, the more obscure it is, even if it, they, they, they start to sense us off. We don't know if this is even possible. That's my favorite term. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the, that's my favorite. Um, cause we'll find a way to make it work. Um, but a lot of times we're being asked by customers to say, okay, you're, you, you're good at creative technology. We don't have any idea what we want to do. We have a trade show coming up or we have a booth space and we have a, a spot in the booth that we want to do something with technology, but we don't know what. So a lot of times we start out just by exploring ideas and understanding their brand and trying to dig deeper into what is the appropriate thing to offer them because there's all kinds of options. But sometimes that's, that's the way we're engaged more than not. Uh, and I would guess that uh, over time you've developed kind of a uh, a checklist of things that work and things that don't work as well. And so if someone says, we don't know what we want to do, but uh, let's try something that you know gets people to come over to your trade show booth and gets them engaged, I'm sure you can point to a number of things that have been successful, I would guess. Yeah, and it, absolutely. Uh, it's still a learning curve for us a little bit, but I, we started to understand, you know, we, we asked some questions about what is it that you're after? Are you, do you have a product that's deeply complex and people misunderstand how it's used or don't understand how it works? And so if they say that, then we, we focus on things and technologies that are more educational, and that might be a proctored technology experience. And if they say, no, no, we're a well-known brand, we just have to, we have to exhibit it at this trade show because if we don't show up, we're, people think that there's something wrong with the company, but we don't need to educate anyone on our product. It's well-known what we do. So we just want people to have a fun time and gather around our booth. Well, that's an entertainment uh, right topic. And so what do we have in technology that we can help and entertain? And, and maybe it's something loud or something fun, like a game, you know, do some gamification. Um, and so that we, we kind of ask, what is the objective of what you're trying to use with the technology? Is it a teaching? Is it entertaining? Is it informing? And then from there, we will coach them on the types of technologies. And it's about the length of, of the interaction too. How long can we expect somebody to engage with technology. It's a short life or a attention span a lot of people have. And so that's a key a lot of times to good technology for the trade show industry. I'm curious when it comes to trade shows, can you describe just a couple that you've done in the, the last couple of years that uh, without, you don't need to name names or anything. I'm just curious what kind of things come up specifically. Yeah. Well, so gamification has been pretty popular lately. So I mentioned the game of life. We've, uh, We've had um, some deployments with a, a digital dart game that we developed that uh, you literally take a, a physical steel tip dart and, and throw it at a, a, at a digital dart board. And so there's some, some fun things that we can do with that because when the dart hits and we know where the dart hits, we can have animations that play and whatnot. Um, 
more recently we did a Tetris game. So it's a, you know, Tetris by nature is a game that it's how long you can survive to stack the, the, the shapes in a, in a way that keeps you alive. Well, we have a timed game that we have custom developed that's based on Tetris and it's pretty fun. Um, so another thing recently is uh, we developed a platform for uh, a lead retrieval and survey application. So it's a custom application that you know, worked with the registration company to scan badges, but then gave them a really slick, simple interface in which to ask a few survey questions and fulfill some simple literature. So gamification, more of a utility thing with the lead capture app, but those are some some things we've been up to lately. Interesting. And so about the nuts and bolts, I mean, what kind of equipment? I presume it's uh, obviously computer-based. You're using monitors, projectors, anything else that, uh, that comes to mind that... Uh, that uh, you typically use in these installations? Yeah, so there's a there's you know a lot of cool things that are coming onto the market. So LED tiles and and um, you know there's a there's a lot of new product in the LED world. So when it comes to our animation services and 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 that kind of thing, there's a lot of neat things that are that are emerging in, in the LED space. Projections getting better too. Um, higher lumen projectors, smaller form factor projectors are making a more feasible, shorter throw distances. So when we've got t- confined spaces on a trade show floor, that those technologies are, are old technology in the sense that they're not cutting edge, but they're getting better and better. And they're right. also becoming more affordable. There's some other really neat things in terms of, um, well, transparent OLEDs, uh, you know, being able to see through the screen. And, and so there's some, some devices out there, something called a height box that's been again on the market for several years but still has some good wow factor on the trade show floor when it's used in the right in the right way so projectors lcd monitors um we do a lot with gesture-based technologies we've got several different things that we do to detect gestures um different devices for that um are there things that you are i was gonna say are, are there things that you can do now that you couldn't just five years ago just based on on what's new and, and and improved i guess yeah so um you know those those are all great examples every you know the technology is getting getting better about augmented reality and virtual reality you know those are things that um are gaining a lot of momentum and one thing that i think is changing is the devices are getting better, um, but but also the libraries that are made available to development teams. So our developer team, for instance, a, a year ago when we'd get a VR request, we'd have to custom create a lot of stuff. We'd have to develop a lot of the platform and a lot of the back end to do what we needed to do. Now, a lot of uh, the, the programming platforms have available libraries that allow us to, to build applications faster or, or to perform even better. Specs on computers are getting better. So VR experiences are, are getting uh, enhanced in that regard as well. Um, so AR and VR are two emerging technologies that I think there's things we can do today that we couldn't do with those a couple years ago. Um, and I would so guess already, with the expansion of libraries, that means you're, you've got less development time, which brings the labor cost down, which, which affects the overall price, I would guess. Overall price, but also just makes it more feasible for the trade show industry. It seems yeah. industry is always last minute or you've got a, a constrained timeline. And so being able to pull off something more substantial in a shorter period of time, yes, absolutely. Some of those available libraries is enabling us to make that more feasible. And as far as trade show goes, obviously you, you do have the deadlines, but uh, you do permanent installations as well at Blue Pony. And, and what kind of things do you come up with there? And how different is that, I guess, from trade show stuff? 
Yeah, well, I think that the, the schedule is different. Usually the permanent installs have a, a little bit more extended timeline. But other than that, um, you know, pretty similar. Um, we're asked, so like, we do a lot for customer experience centers. So we did an install not too long ago in Chicago. Uh, for a company that, that specializes, they sell um, lots of devices, uh, whether they're printers or scanners and, and a lot of different widget devices. And they want to create an experience center where people could come in and use their equipment and un, unravel a story. So how are these devices used in different industry verticals? And so we took their devices and made them talk to our computers and our uh, monitors, and we had a narration. It was a tour that they go on, and the narration would kind of simulate different experiences or different industry examples, and they would use the scanners and printers as part of the experience. So we tied their, their technology to our technology and made that experience come to life. Um, right now, we're, we're in the pro final stages of uh, building a whole bunch of unique content for the Indianapolis airport. And uh, so they've got these, these huge towers, 40 feet tall, that are going to be built uh, out of LED um, product. And uh, so we're, we're building the content uh, for that, those, that installation as well. Um, we did uh, a really unique uh, infinity mirror for a company in St. Louis, which again, not even really any technology is LED lights with their logo. And when you looked at that mirror, their logo went off into infinity. So that was pretty unique. Interesting. Um, and yeah. I'm guessing a lot of this is, is there's some really flashy stuff, but I, I would suspect that there's a lot of storytelling that goes along, at least in some of these applications. And so people have to figure out what that story is, how to tell it, or at least have part of the story being told into these things would, would you agree absolutely I, and i think actually some of the, the the better and most successful technology deployments are things that were rooted in a story up front because you know people are you know technology has is rapidly expanding so fast people have a very powerful computer in their pockets now with the smartphone so that's what we're competing with is that there's an expectation in in people that they're not looking for something that's super complicated they want something that just helps enhance the story and helps the conversation go deeper. And so authenticity is important. Um, you know, we really like merging technology with something that is old fashioned. I mentioned the dart game earlier. So this old familiar steel tip dart is something that they, they look at as, as old school analog, right? And, and how do we merge that with a digital experience that's unique and new that they've never experienced before. So Storytelling, I think, is along those lines, too. Technology doesn't need to take over. It just needs to help that story progress better or be a, a more rich experience. Yeah, and humans relate to stories. Stories have been around since as long as humans have. And so we, if there's a good story, it doesn't matter what the technology is, people will uh, pay attention. Uh, I'm curious, before we wrap it up here, uh, Nathan, let's say someone wanted to work in that space, whether it was with for you guys or another company that did similar type stuff. What kind of skills do you look for an experience when, when people, uh, when you're looking for somebody? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, creativity is important to us. And so we're looking for people uh, on our team that have good creative ability and what I'd say uh, creative situational awareness. So having a sense of how the trade show and environment is hustle and bustle and people with their nose down and, and walking rapidly through the aisle, how do we stop them? And so having good creative skill set to say, how do we think outside the box to help slow people down and stop them and engage them? So having that kind of uh, team member that's thinking along those lines is important, but we need uh, utility folks too, uh, folks that maybe not 
super high on the, on the creative, but are good programmers and, and nerds in their own right, you know? So um, we need those folks too, but our business really is we're selling intangible things. At the end of the day, we're yeah. creating something that gets installed on the show floor, but it's just an idea when it starts out. And so for us, we have to be very good teachers. We have to be very good consultants and we have to help people realize the potential and fall in love with something that they can't touch or see or, or go experience at Best Buy. So, you know, we have to be good with, uh, with that consultative sales uh, uh, effort and approach. Um, so those are the, the characteristics that we look for on team members. Well, it sounds like fun. I, I've been on your website. You have a lot of really fun stuff to look through there. So uh, speaking to Nathan Grepke of Blue Pony and uh, bluepony.com is the website. Right. And uh, you guys are out of uh, Indiana, I believe. Yep. Okay. Right. But you work corner, everywhere, yeah. I bet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, technology again. It lets us, yeah. enables us to be uh, anywhere at any time. Nathan, I appreciate your time. And uh, thanks again for sharing some of the thoughts uh, and what you guys do at Blue Pony. It's really fun to listen to it. So. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Nathan Grepke of Blue Pony for digging into the bits and pieces of video and animation creation. They call themselves magicians, and indeed they are magicians. Uh, trade show tip of the week comes from a list from my book, Trade Shows, Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies. Uh, I think you should pick this up on Amazon because it's, uh, it's a good, good book. Uh, lots of lists for trade show marketing. Uh, the list this week, six things that help you determine if you should downsize your exhibit. Interesting, you know, as someone who works with companies that you always love to sell them bigger and better things. <laughs> well... That's not the way it always works. A lot of companies actually downsize for various reasons. So uh, here are some things to consider and to look at if you're looking at downsizing. Uh, number one, often the choice is strategic. You may know that some of your major competitors are not going to be exhibiting at a specific show where you want a presence, but you don't need to do the full-blown island exhibit so you come up with a smaller inline, all right? Uh, number two, your brand is morphing into something different and investing in a new exhibit just doesn't make sense. In this case, you can go for a smaller presence for less money. You might also consider renting an exhibit, which can uh, give you significant savings in the short term. Number three, you need to show a better ROI to the boss, to the powers that be, to the management. Investing less in an exhibit is one way to cut upfront expenses uh, and increase the overall ROI. Number four, you're planning to invest more heavily in pre-show marketing. So putting emphasis on reaching visitors prior to a show, direct mail, for instance, can bring people directly to your booth if you have a good uh, mail piece there. Number five, the bigger shows get even more expensive and yet you still need a presence there. One way to keep your presence at that show is to have a smaller exhibit. I've seen this many, many times. A uh, smaller booth space may also mean you don't have to send as many people to staff the booth, which can also save you some in your expenses. And number six, you're reassessing your overall trade show marketing plan. I've seen some companies simply pull out of a show uh, for a year or two after having had a major presence for years, and then they eventually worked their way back in. But they had a chance to take stock of the value of the show, uh, find out it was important enough to take that stock and, and reassess it to, to decide if they really needed to go back there. So uh, six things to help you determine if you should downsize your exhibit. Look for trade show Superheroes and exhibiting zombies. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, one good thing this week, it has to be the only thing you saw at the beginning of the uh, episode. Uh, ski season is here a, a little bit early in Oregon from 
from the place I normally ski. They usually don't open up uh, early December, but they did this time around, and it was was great. And I, I hope we have more snow and a great long season. You know, I, I was thinking while I'm I'm you know cutting corners and turns and down down the the slope yesterday and the day before. I got two days in this week, and it was really nice. Uh, I thought, you know, I ski to live, and I live to ski. That's that's my. I've, I've been doing this since I was like seven, six or seven years old. So. <laughs> goes back away hey have yourself a great great week this is tim patterson trade show guy and this is the trade show guy monday morning coffee so glad you could be a part this week (laughs) 